What's up and welcome to Sox Talk. This is episode three, presented by no one, because unfortunately we don't have a sponsor yet. So if you want to be a sponsor, please feel free to reach out and you can do that on Twitter. We're on there at Sox Talk Pod. Again, that's Sox Talk Pod. It is Thursday, October the 25th at approximately 2.25. And my good pal and I, Xander Montano, alongside here, Ian Vicera, we're going to talk about the Boston Red Sox, the winners of the first two games of the World Series. Halfway down, two done, two more to go. The boys are going out to L.A. tomorrow night and hopefully win the trophy and bring it back to Boston. Zan, how we doing? I'm good. I really like that intro, Ian. Yeah, well, I mean, we got to get a sponsor eventually. Like maybe Stamps.com or something. Stamps.com. I know, I know they really like to, uh, you know, sponsor, sponsor up-and-coming Red Sox podcasts. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I know for our radio show here at school, the Upper A Hour, the Upper a we hour. tried to get some sort of vodka company to sponsor us because <laughs> they liked one of our random Instagram posts. They didn't get back to us. So, you know, I'm reaching out to the community, see what we can get for a sponsor. Yeah, I like that. See what that. we can't do. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, if anyone wants to sp- if any vodka company out there wants to sponsor us, hit us up. Well, I mean, we need a lot of people. I mean, yeah, multiple sponsorship deals. I'm thinking Chick-fil-A, you know, all sorts of things. I mean, as of right now, this is a two-man production. It's you and me right. recording this. I go back and I chop it up on iMovie, throw it all together, see what we can't do. But, I mean, there's plenty of room for expansion. I mean, I'm always looking for a producer. Still haven't found one yet. <laughs> if anyone, you know, wants to help run the Twitter for us, because we're slowly climbing in followers, but yeah. we could always use help. Yep. Any graphic design people want to Gra- chop us up some, you know, True. good pictures. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe from there an Instagram. We're open for inquiries. Yeah. Yeah. Sponsors, so you know, there's plenty of room for expansion. Now hiring, yeah. We have no money to give you. <laughs> we have experience and love. What more can you ask for? Exactly. And the love of the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, it sounds perfect to me, honestly. Sounds great. All right, Zan, let's get to it. Sox have won the first two games of the series. What have you liked so far? The fact that they've won pretty convincingly in all the games. I mean, they were close at some points. The Dodgers would kind of get some runs back. It'd be tied. But then the Red Sox just find that way to just blow the game open. And real quick, I know we'll probably get into this more in depth, but I think everyone forgets how good Craig Kimball is when he's not tipping pitches because he's been lights out. Um, but I kind of want to start with what you thought was overall just just good from the last couple of games. Everything. Everything. I mean, we were talking before. We were saying, all right, we'll do our likes and our dislikes. And I was like, all right, we can try and find something dislikes and maybe nitpick a little. Yeah. There isn't anything. Not I really. really can't think of anything unless you're literally, you know, saying he threw too many balls here. Yeah. Because, I mean, Chris Sale was very good in game one, but, it, you know, kind of got a high pitch count. Unless you're literally saying Chris Sale didn't do a great job with the pitch count, that's, you know, maybe the one thing, a couple things you can nitpick, but... Overall, it's been a phenomenal first two games for the Boston Red Sox. I mean, like you were saying, two pretty convincing wins. Yesterday was 4-2. to two. Once they took the lead, I thought the game was over. Yep. I mean, it was just that sort of night. It's been that sort of run for this team, which is just wild to me that they can just keep going and going and going. And Ortiz talked about it, too, on uh, Game 1 of the pregame show. He was saying that this team is very good and unlike any other, that like no other that he's seen before because they haven't hit that cold stretch all year. And you figure over the course of 162, over the course of the playoffs, at some point, you know, whether it's in October or maybe the middle of June, you hit a slump where you lose 5 of 6, 6 of 7, and, you know, go on a tailspin for a couple weeks. Yeah. It hasn't happened. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to happen. I I don't think it is either. I think the closest they got was when at the end of the season when they stopped trying, people were going kind of crazy. They're like, oh, no, the Red Sox, they keep losing games. They're not going to break the total win record. But it's like at that point, they didn't care anymore. And then immediately into the Yankee series and then the Astros series, they just picked right up where they left off. 
Yeah, at that point, it was more about getting healthy, figuring out who was going to make the roster in October as about the wins and losses. Because at that yeah. point, you still won the division by eight games. I mean, you won it going away. Yeah, I know. It wasn't even close. Um, speaking about making the roster real quick, our guy Pomeranz made the roster. What do you make of that? Yeah, we can talk about that quick. Um, I'm not surprised that Brandon Workman isn't on the roster. He just he hasn't looked the same to me. Yeah. And I'm a big Brandon Workman guy. I really wanted him to get back to what he was, but the stuff just isn't there from when he had his surgery and everything. Because when he first came up as you know a rookie, he was throwing 97. He was throwing heat. And he was still a pretty good pitcher this year. He had a good year. But I'm going to get into this a little bit later, actually, when we talk about Clayton Kershaw. Mm-hmm. But it's a difference when you're throwing 97 and when you're throwing, like, 90, 91, 92. It's a whole different ball game. Right. So I'm not surprised to see Workman off the roster, but I'm surprised to see Pomerantz on, and I'm sure you are too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he seems like a guy that's never going to get in, and they're going to use him in a spot where they need to go home early. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't see them using him, to be honest. But I don't know. I feel like Workman could have given you at least an inning or a batter or something like that. Yeah, that's fair. And I think, obviously, the reason you're going with Pomerantz here, as opposed to Brandon Workman, is you're going with Drew Pomerantz for the fact that you want another lefty on yeah, the roster, yeah. which is fair considering Erod's kind of your only, you know, technical lefty out of the bullpen because Chris Sale and Price are starters. starters yeah. So if you want a true definitive reliever that's a lefty, now you have Erod and Pomerantz. But I am kind of surprised that Bobby Pointer didn't make it instead of Drew Pomerantz, but they were saying that Pomerantz in his bullpen sessions was throwing 93 94 so if he's throwing that hard as opposed to, you know, the 89, 90 he was throwing during the year, I'll still take that because if you're throwing 94 with that curve, that's still a pr- pretty good weapon out of the pen. Yeah, if his curve isn't like a hanging, like, uh, slow pitch ball. And I'm not saying I want to use him in a high leverage spot. <laughs> I don't want to use don't, him don't at get, all. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I still think he can be valuable to you. And I'm not saying, what the heck are they doing with him on the roster? I see the value in it. I'm yeah. not sure I'd have him on. Personally, I like I said, I take Bobby Pointer. Yeah. But I'm not, like, nervous that he's on the roster. Because, again, he's not coming in, you know, ninth inning game on the line unless literally you're out of options and that's the matchup that you feel is the best. I'd rather have Brock Hole in there. Look, I, I've been calling Pom- Pomeranz Pomegranate all year because the dude for me, I just call him these names once th- once they start pitching well and then they got to get out of the dog pound. And for me, he's still in the dog pound. He's Pomegranate. He's not anything more than that. His his velocity is way down from where he was. I'm still mad that they accepted that trade after they found out he was still hurt. I mean, this is a guy that you bring in there when you're losing and you want to go home early to get rest for the next game. I just, I'm sorry, but like that's how I see this guy. I don't mean to be that guy, but you said you give him the nickname when he pitches well. No, oh, sorry. I'll give him the. I'll take away the nickname when he pitches well. Okay, all right. Yeah, good. Yeah. I was just making sure because yeah. I was gonna say that's not a nickname no. I want if I'm pitching well. Absolutely not. No, I misspoke. But when he starts pitching well, I'll stop calling him Pomegranate. But until then, that's his name. That's fair enough. And honestly, though, I'm not too too concerned because Alex Cora has the magic touch. So if he's putting in Drew Pomerantz right now, <laughs> yeah. I think he's gonna do just fine. <laughs> yeah. That's true. We could talk about that too. Cora, just his decisions have been crazy. This, this postseason, especially last night, or, yeah, with Nunez pinch-hitting him. Yeah, two you, nights ago. Yeah, two nights ago. You'd think you'd want to see Devers in that spot because he brought in Devers, and Devers is pretty good at hitting the lefties, and he was, I think, tied for the MLB record, set the seven of his first, like, his first seven games in the uh, postseason were all, like, RBIs or something like mm-hmm. that. He had RBIs in each of them, which I think is a record. Um, so to not have him in, he's hitting pretty hot. It's kind of surprising, and he kind of brings up Nunez, who... I mean, that guy will swing at everything. So I'm not really thinking he was going to be too good, but just right over the monster. Uh, yeah. 
noontime. It was a bomb. <laughs> it was a moonshot. He dug that thing out like Happy Gilmore on the fairway. I mean, that was just great. Yeah, I know for me personally, I was kind of a fan of that pinch hitting decision. I wasn't a fan of Devers actually starting the game. Really? So I'm thinking, right? So especially it seems like Cora likes to play the lefty-righty matchup, which is fine, and I'm a big proponent of that too. Yep. But if you're going to start Devers the lefty against uh, Kershaw, I don't see why then you'd pull him out later once Kershaw is out of the game, the more difficult lefty, and bring in Nunez instead. Yeah. That, that, that's where it kind of confuses okay, me. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The other thing is, so why didn't you like this, the fact that he started him, though? Because if you're going to play the lefty-righty game, Nunez should be starting, and once le- the lefty Kershaw comes out, that's when Devers should go in the game. That's all. But, I mean, it worked out because Devers got the hit earlier in the game. Right, and then, yeah. So that's why at that point I'm like, all right, he's already kind of having a good game against the lefties. Why are you taking him out now? And the thing is, I always look back to the when we played the Yankees and just hitting the, the bomb off of Chapman. I mean, he's hit really hard lefties before. So he, I think his average is pretty good against lefties. I don't have the exact numbers, but he always just seems to, to be pretty good against that matchup. So I don't know. But, again, like we are saying, Cora with the great decision to... Mm-hmm. To pinch it. And then to even get to that point, so we have to talk about the fact that Dave Roberts had Baez in the game to face Devers, so the righty-lefty, and he decides to go with Alex Wood, the lefty. Now at this point, Cora could have left Devers in, or he could have pinch hit, which is what he did. So what do you think about that decision from Dave Roberts to take Baez, the righty, out of the game, the guy with better stuff than Alex Wood, and then, you know, flip it around and play the matchup that way? I, I don't understand what they're doing. I feel like if, if the guy's in there and he's pitching well and he's got good stuff, like, leave him in, especially when the match. I mean, I, I don't know. That, for me, and I don't think it's just, um, like, a managerial decision that's killing the, the Dodgers because they're a good team. They're in the World Series right now, and it's not just the manager that's losing them the game, but, like, they're not hitting. It's just everything seems to be going wrong for them, and everything seems to just be going right for the Red Sox. Like, how often are you going to pinch hit Eduardo Nunez and he's going to hit a home run over the monster? Like, that's not going to happen. That's your one time. Yeah, exactly. So Pedro Baez this year, 55 games, 288 ERA. You know, he's got a flamethrower fastball. He's got great stuff out there on the mound. And Alex Wood, still a pretty good pitcher, but more of that lefty specialist type. You know, he's going to throw you junk, not coming at you with a hard fastball. Again, he had a pretty good year this year, too. Uh, 368 ERA in 151 innings was kind of a starter for them this year transitioning to the bullpen so far in the postseason hasn't been great out of the pen in his seven games he's got a 476 ERA so nothing special over there but I know if I'm Dave Roberts I want to go down with my best guys right and so this is one of those scenarios where are you playing the matchup or are you trusting your best players because Pedro Baez is better than Alex Wood period point blank they do different things but he's better so I know if I'm him I'd rather go down with my better pitcher against their better hitter and I'm fine with that because if you trust in your guys, I'll take Baez over, De- over Devers because guess what? Even if Devers is good, 7 out of 10 times he's going to fail. As opposed to you flip it around, Nunez against Alex Wood, I'm feeling more confident about that. Why? I, don't, I really don't know. But that lefty-righty sort of thing, and it just comes down to, you know, does he have overpowering stuff? No. And if he doesn't have overpowering stuff, the location's got to be perfect. The, the location actually on the Nunez homer wasn't terrible, but like we were saying, Nunez is a free swinger. He can make pitchers pay on kind of those weird locations. Yeah, the only thing I'm, I'm thinking of is the Red Sox all year, they've been really good at hitting the fastball, but it's kind of been the junk pitches that I've gotten them. And Nunez, like I said, that dude will swing at any pitch you throw at him. So his thought may be, like, this guy could catch a fastball 
maybe and hit it over or get a base hit or whatever it is. But if I bring in Wood and he's just throwing junk into the dirt, it's going to be harder for him to hit it because Nunez looks dumb on a lot of swings. Yeah, So for that sure. that could have been some of the thinking there, but that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. And, I mean, we're nitpicking here too, right? Yeah. Because that no didn't really cost them the game, but it certainly didn't help. That's a three-run cushion, you know, that the Sox get added, you know, kind of helps lengthen it out for them. But it's, you know, it's these type of moments in October where these decisions prove pivotal. And especially when you have on one side everything going right for Alex Cora, that one decision from Dave Roberts, even though it's not a bad decision, it's just no. what you decided to do, yeah. everything gets magnified, especially on the stage in the World Series in October. Yeah, and like, like again, I would say, I wouldn't think it's a bad decision. I think there was a reason behind it. That's a logical reason. Yeah. But it's just nothing, nothing's going right for them and everything's going right for the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, the for difference. sure. And I would say out of these first two games, those would probably be the only, that would be the only thing on either side I would really question. So I'd question maybe Devers not, or Devers starting to begin with in game one, okay. and then the pinch hitting. But then I'd also question kind of that sort of lefty-righty, what do you want to do if you're the Dodgers? But other than that, I think it's been the player's game, which is what I like to see. Yeah, and the umpire has been, the umping has been great. Behind mm-hmm. home plate game one, I think he missed one call all year coming into the World Series. One call all year. Yeah, the, the umps in this series have been pretty good. It's been good to see, you know, that it's not been bogged down by replay reviews. I mean, there's been a couple so far, but nothing where we're sitting there waiting for forever and ever and saying, yeah, like all right, the, let's hurry this up. Yeah, like some of the stolen bases, you know, and, and stuff like that. But yeah, it's been good baseball. For sure. Another thing I've liked out of the Red Sox, too, so far, it kind of gets swept under the rug because it's not that really been that big a deal yet, but the defense has been pretty good. Yeah. I mean, again, it's two games, no errors so far. Benintendi made the nice Air Jordan catch again. Yeah. So that's always cool to see. But it's just big when these guys make the plays. You know, because, again, everything gets magnified. If you make an error, they haven't made one. So just to, to be able to field the ball and make the routine plays, you know, it sounds easy, but it's not. That's why these guys are pros, because they're going to make that play 99 times out of 100. And I know a play we were talking about, actually, before we started recording, was the Bogarts play in the hole where he yeah. ranges to his right. Feels on the backhand, kind of throws it across his body, and it's a strong, accurate throw across the diamond. Yeah, and that's huge improvement because when Bogarts first came up, it was really his defense that was a little more in question. And to be doing that in the World Series now is great. And then, like you said, I, I, we were talking actually on our radio show today about home field advantage and how I was saying I don't really like it in sports. I don't really think it's a real thing, except maybe in baseball because the stadium dimensions are different, and so players don't know how to play the outfield. There was one, that bomb on JD. It, it kind of looked like maybe he wouldn't have caught it, but he was kind of stalling at the 4-10 mark on the warning track, not knowing if he should go back more if, or if it was coming forward. So the fact that they were home and that they have this unique layout to their stadium kind of aids them in their defense because they know how the ball's going to play. Yeah, that was Kike Hernandez, I believe it was, in center field. Yeah. And I agree. I was kind of looking at it, too, when they showed the replay. I was like, ooh, maybe he might have had a chance to make a play on yeah, it. Yeah, if he went back a little bit more. But, again, yeah. it's still so tough, and especially the way the ball can right, carry him around right. down there. Yeah. But it's interesting. Yeah, the defense has been great, and I just I really like that. And so you're talking about home field advantage now, right? Mm-hmm. What's interesting, you think about this. New York, they started off the series 1-1 one one at home. Houston, 1-1. One one. This series, the World Series, 2-0. Yeah. So coming into this, they had been 2-2 two and two at home in the playoffs. Hadn't lost the road game yet. So now you're going into Dodger Stadium where you haven't you know, lost a game in the playoffs on the road. You're feeling pretty confident about your ability to go on the road because guess what? You did it in Houston. You did it in New York. 
And now this time, instead of the series being tied, knowing that, all right, we can go in there on the road and win anyway, you're up in the series. And you can really step on their throats, go for the jugular, and end this thing. That's true. And Houston was probably the best team they played. Mm -hmm. If we look at all around, like roster, bullpen, everything, I mean, uh, lineup, they were probably the best team. So you have to have confidence being able to beat the Astros in Houston and not, not giving up a game there. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's going to be exciting when the Sox go out to L.A. because, like I said, I'm not worried about them going into L.A. and losing a game. And that's just, like, the, the amount of confidence I have in this team right now. So we even, we'll actually start and get into game one right now and then game two, and then we can preview the games in L.A. in a minute. But I was saying going into game one, Clayton Kershaw doesn't scare me, which is absurd. He's <laughs> the best pitcher of this generation. He's a three-time Cy Young Award winner. He's phenomenal. He's just so great, and he's such a great pitcher, but he didn't scare me. Because if you can go in and beat those Astros pitchers, you can do it to Kershaw. And again, this is where I'm going to harp back on, you know, what kind of stuff you have. Clayton Kershaw has great stuff, but when his fastball's around 90-91, the Sox are going to hit that. As yeah. good as your curveball is, as good as your changeup slider is, the Sox can hit that. Verlander was the pitcher that scared me the most because he's throwing 97-98, and then he's got the wipeout breaking balls. So if you're Clayton Kershaw and, you know, you really need to spot that fastball like Cliff Lee, you need to have that pinpoint control. If you're not doing it at 97 and you make one mistake, you know, it's easier to hit, much easier to hit. So I felt confident about the Sox offense coming in, going up against him in game one. Yeah, like 90 miles an hour for those guys is like a slow pitch for us. Mm -hmm. They will crank that ball. So he's got to be spot on. I think he had three earned, right? He had three earned? Five. Five earned? Yep. Oh, because someone came in for him and he was yeah. on the hook for it? Yeah. yeah. The line for Kershaw was four innings, seven hits, five runs, three walks, five strikeouts. Yeah. That's not good enough for, for him, but... No, and the other thing, too, he's been kind of that sort of David Price thing as well where he hasn't performed well in the playoffs, but this postseason he's been excellent. And, you know, he threw the final uh, inning in Game 7 to close out the Brewers, got through that no problem. So, I mean, he's kind of been a guy exercising exercising his own demons and whatnot in uh, in the playoffs as well. And the Sox just, again, rolled right through. Yeah, rolled right through. And I think uh, I think Fight Club would have something to say about being the best pitcher in the postseason, or of this generation. I think you meant to say Evaldi. Uh, Evaldi, Our yeah. guy, Nathan Evaldi. Uh, honestly, like the Sox bullpen has been kind of shut down, which I did not expect. Mm -hmm. I remember talking about, and I think our first episode, previewing the Yankee series, and we were saying... It's the bullpen that might give us issues. And I swear if it's anything, it's going to be the bullpen that lets us down. But boy, have I been wrong. Yeah, for sure. And we can talk about the bullpen kind of on the whole of the first two games. Yeah. So in game one of the series, the bullpen threw five innings, allowed just one run. That would be the run that Ryan Brazier gave up, made it a, um, a one-run game, I think, at the time. Let's see, did it? Yeah, I made it a 5-4 game at the time, and then... Nunia signed, sealed, delivered, ended that thing in the bottom half of the inning. Yeah. But so the bullpen, one run, five innings, it's fine. It's pretty good. Doable. And then the next game, game two, nine up, nine down. They went one, two, three. Uh, no one reached actually on base after the fourth inning, the inning where Price gave up the runs, which is crazy to me too. So Price comes back out for the fifth, shuts him down, one, two, three, and then innings six, seven, eight, nine? Yeah, innings six, seven, eight, nine. Price again in the sixth. Hose them down, and then bullpen comes in. Fight club, as you were talking about. Avaldi for the eighth, and then Kimbrell for the ninth. Easy money. Easy good morning, money. good afternoon, good night. Yeah, for real. And you know what's crazy? Joe Kelly has not allowed a walk this postseason. Yeah, the control's been excellent. He hasn't walked one person. And it's like all year you're saying Joe Kelly would be so good if he could just control his location and not throw wildly. 
He hasn't walked one person, and he is just lights out. I don't know if you saw the changeup he threw in the first game. Oh, yeah. That thing, he, he's a righty, so he throws it. It starts going one way, and then it goes back the it other breaks. way. Yeah, it's filthy. It's like a wiffle ball. It's incredible how anyone can hit Major League pitching to begin with. I, like, if you throw that pitch every single time and I knew it was coming, I couldn't make contact. Not once. That's insane. So, Zane, you want to talk about the ability to throw strikes? So in game one, Joe Kelly, 14 pitches, 11 for strikes. Yeah. And our guy, Craig Kimbrell, as well, uh, 13 pitches, 10 of those for strikes. And in game two, they both mirrored exactly that. They each had, you know, two or three balls. So Kimbrell threw nine, nine pitches overall, seven for strikes. Kelly threw 11 pitches, eight for strikes. That's efficiency. Yeah, that's efficiency. And you were saying, I think, on episode two, you can't get people out if you're throwing balls. Yeah, yeah, that's the quote. That's yeah, the quote. That's the quote. And uh, they were not throwing a lot of balls. They're throwing strikes. They're attacking, attacking the plate, and they're throwing good pitches. It's not like they're throwing bad pitches over the middle or yeah, they're locating well. Yeah, good location too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bullpen's been excellent, and it's just so crazy how good they've been. But that's that's what Dombrowski saw in these guys. That's what Cora saw in these guys. That's what this team is capable of. And I think again, we fall into the trap of like the Boston media and that sort of thing, just on Twitter, on social media radio, TV, what have you, everyone's saying, oh, this Red Sox bullpen isn't good. They were still pretty good during the regular season. And again, they won 108 games in the regular season. This wasn't, you know, a lucky team going on a lucky run, and, you know, these pitchers are just getting absolutely lucky. These guys are good. That's why they were good all season long. That's why they've been good in the playoffs. I mean, granted, they're on the hottest of hot streaks right now, but I'll take that. That's what good teams should do. And this is a great, not a good team, a great team. Yeah, the other thing, right off the, right off the bat from the first game, Mookie Betts with the stolen base. I think that was like the third. Free taco. Free tacos. That's all that dude cares about. But I think that was like the third stolen base that he uh, he gave up all year. Mm-hmm. Kershaw. Yeah. Like He doesn't allow a lot of stolen bases. And, yeah, Betts was saying after the game, yeah, Cora just wants us to be aggressive. But, honestly, I just want some tacos. But um, that's huge, just the way they're base running, the way they're able to do some of these things. It's, it's just great. It's good because it just sets the tempo. You ride that momentum, especially you got two runs in the first inning off Kershaw. Yeah. That is exactly the start you needed to the World Series, especially oh, after yeah. Sale, belly button Sale comes out in the first inning. You know, K's a couple guys, you know, no runs. So you're off to a good start on that end. And then for you to come out, score a couple runs in the bottom half, perfect. Yeah, no, great start. And then in the World Series, Mookie Betts and Andrew Benintendi, they're both four for eight. So they're both batting 500. Yeah, and that's kind of something where we haven't seen Mookie Betts get going yet and now yeah. he's now he's kind of feeling himself now he's kind of feeling and it. that's exactly what the red sox need you get yeah. those two guys at the top of the order i know for me personally i picked benintendi to win alcs mvp and i stuck with him for my pick for world series mvp i know we didn't record a preview prediction show before the world series but i said socks in five with benintendi as my mvp and in game one benintendi with all those hits he certainly looked like an MVP. Yeah, he looked apart for sure especially with that catch the other day and honestly this team has been a bunch of highlight reels they, they're just performing spectacular plays, going back to last uh, series with Mookie fielding that ball, gunning him out at second, um, or JBJ, just some of just the outfield play, like Bogarts in the infield, just all the things that they're doing. It's just been great to watch from a great team, and the fact that they're not disappointing with the 100-plus wins that they have is just fabulous. Because if they went into this World Series and they lost to the Yankees or the Astros or they came in, they dropped a game at home, or they're losing it would just be awful for that organization to come in riding so high and then just to lose. It just So the fact that they're able to actually put it put up and not, you know, yeah, put up the stats when they need to, that's that's just big. Yeah, especially being able to right the wrongs of the past two Octobers, actually go in there 
not win not just one series, but win two and may, maybe hopefully now three. Yeah. It's been great to see. Another guy who's kind of been swept under the rug so far, honestly, Zan, has been J.D. Martinez. Yeah. I mean, because, again, there's so much good things to talk about with this team right now, and we focus on the pitching because pitching wins championships, you know, that old adage, you know, defense pitching wins games, wins championships. But we haven't focused on J.D. Martinez, and I think that's just been, like, so crazy to me. But that's just kind of the guy he is, right? So game one of the World Series, he goes two for three. Uh, he knocks in two runs, and then yesterday – he goes one for four, knocks in two runs, has that big hit on, uh, what was it, the fifth inning with the bases loaded, you know, gives the Sox the lead. He's been great in this World Series, too. And just for him to be a rock in that lineup, you know you're going to get good at-bats, good at-bats. Sure, everything's not going to be flashy, and it's not going to be all the jumbo-dong power maybe all the time. Right. But he's just a good hitter, and it's great to see him put up those at-bats and get those key RBIs for the Sox. Yeah, and speaking of which, it's been the whole team. I think in this postseason, they're 51% on getting hits with two outs. Yeah, it's it's absurd. You can yeah. go through any of the two out, you know, hit numbers, two out RBI numbers you want. We're not going to go through them all. You know them. Yeah. It's crazy just how well this team has been hitting. Two outs, two strikes. They're putting up at the right time. And, and that goes back to JD, but for him to do damage, do damage, people need to get on. So I think last night it was Vasquez with the hit. Yep. And then after him... Um, Bet singles and then Bet the singles, walk. then Benintendi walks, and then Pierce walks in a run. Yep. And then with two outs... JD a little just push over the the second baseman's head into into right field and then you know you get two runs mm-hmm. and that's that's what's awesome to me right that's the kind of damage this team can do with two outs it looks like nothing's going bam all of a sudden you score three runs just like that yeah. and that is so demoralizing as a pitcher you think you're almost out of the inning you have the nine hole hitter up and it's just a little single but then okay here we go Mookie Betts Benintendi you know down the line yeah that's what this team is capable of doing. And, man, it's fun to watch. And as we were talking about, it's been the opposite for the Red Sox when other teams are in those situations. David Price had the bases loaded with no outs. And they didn't do the kind of damage that we did. And it's just the fact that the Red Sox in those situations are able to produce. That's the key. That's the key to the team. Yeah, and, I mean, in that situation for Price, so he gives up two runs, Yeah, not the end of the world. Especially with two with nobody out. Yeah, that's the, that's not the, the end of the world. Puig kind of made him pay, you know, ties up the game at two, and that was just a good piece of hitting by Puig on that. Yeah. But, I mean, Price was good yesterday, and it was interesting to see, like, I thought he kind of got squeezed a little bit. You know, he walked three hitters, but I thought the, the control for him was good. Uh, 88 pitches total, 58 for strikes, so he was around the zone. It was good to see. And something else I was actually really, really happy with was the fact that when David Price had the bases loaded in that situation, the bullpen wasn't stirring. Alex Cora wasn't, like, ready with a short hook. I'm a big fan of having the starters stay in the game and you ride those guys until you need the bullpen to come in because at the end of the day your starters are your better pitchers that's why they're the guys who you want out there throwing five six seven eight innings if you can not just throwing that one inning yeah and I think that's a different style from even from Cora um from the last series when Price started against the Astros or maybe it was the Yankees I think it was the Yankees actually he had the start and then he was out after three innings yeah, his and, first start, he was out in the second inning. Yeah, and Cora didn't ride him. I and mean, he could have easily took him out here, bases loaded, nobody out. He could have taken him out. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he stuck with him and made that decision, and yeah, they got two runs, but bases loaded, nobody out. I mean, yeah, it's you know, fine. Yeah. And I mean, Price gave up three hits all night. He was still good after the fact, and he was good before. So it was yeah. good to see Cora stick with him. And I know personally, he was only at 88 pitches through six. I would have liked to have seen him back out there for a seventh because I believe it was the bottom of the order coming up, too. Just get that one more inning, save one of your bullpen guys, just, you know, an extra arm, an extra bullet if you can. So this is where I disagree with you. I think at the end of the sixth, you have the seven, eight, nine, 
and that's where you kind of want the setup. So if you could get someone else out there in the sixth, get someone else there in the seventh and the eighth, then you break up the game. You're breaking up the the pitchers that you need to use, and they don't need to go a lot of innings. I mean, a lot of pitches, hopefully. And then you have Kimbrel in the ninth. So I like the fact that he broke up the game, and I don't think there's any reason to have Price go out there. I mean, what's the point of having your starter try to throw a complete game? You don't need him for a complete game, but you're at 88 pitches. It's the postseason. You can ride him that one more inning, especially against the lower hitters in the lineup. Like, I have all the confidence in the world that Price was going to go out there one, two, three. Now, I mean, Joe Kelly's been pitching phenomenally, but I didn't think that was the situation where I would have used him. Yeah, maybe not, but I, I just like the fact that it breaks up the game. And, and those relievers are supposed to come in there and throw gas and, and just throw this nasty stuff that they can do for one inning. So I kind of like it. And Price, he looked good, but, you know, your starters, they can just lose it like that sometimes. So They can, but... Joe Kelly can lose it. He's yeah, done it a lot. I know, but he hasn't walked anybody yet this postseason. I, I, I'm not saying I don't trust David Price, but I like the fact that the pitchers in the bullpen have been pitching so well, so I like the decision to bring them in. Xander, did I just hear you say you don't trust David Price? I, I, I trust. It's, it's like a love-hate relationship. I don't know. So shouldn't you love him in that moment and ride him while he's going good? Because if David Price comes out there for the seventh inning... I know you're going to get a good inning out of that. If Joe Kelly comes in, that's where you talk about breaking up the game, and that's where the momentum can shift, right? Kelly comes in, say he walks the first guy. Now what? Now the tie runs up at the plate. You just wasted, you know, Joe Kelly coming in the game when you could have had Price in for one more inning. Yeah, but the same token with Price. What if he walks someone? And then then all of a sudden a high note for Price becomes like it's it doesn't even matter because he just blew the game. So I would rather bring in the – like Price pitched really well, take him out. He did a good job. Give him a pat on the back, give him the confidence for the next start, bring in your reliever, have him throw gas, and let's finish the game. I don't know. I still I still disagree on that. I'm, I'm going with Price there in that situation in the seventh. But, I mean, it didn't come back to bite him either way. Yeah. I mean, fight club, yeah. easy money, yeah. just dominant performance from him. But it was interesting, I thought, because these are some of the decisions that, you know, everything's working out for Cora right now, but what if it doesn't? I want to see kind of, like, how he reacts, how he handles. Well, I don't really want to see it because, <laughs> you know, I want the Sox to win. We can wait till next year regular season yeah. to see how it happens. But happen. it's interesting to see kind of what happens when some of these – situation backfire on them. Yeah, and one thing that I heard, uh, this would be like more of a nitpicking, like what, what could go wrong type of thing. My dad was saying, well, what if, you know, they bring the starter like Avaldi for the eighth inning? Because we don't really have an eighth inning setup guy for, for Kimbrel. But what if you bring in one of those starters and he's got to throw like 25, 30, 40, 40 pitches maybe to get out of some inning, you know, and people are just working them and working them and working them. All of a sudden you got to start that guy. Mm-hmm. So that kind of really screws you up. Now, he's been lucky because the starters come in there, whether it's Porcello or Evaldi, and they just kind of get out of the inning without any damage. Yeah. But that's that's a possibility where something can go wrong. Yeah, even on some of that, I think, like, Porcello's had a couple innings where it's been 18, 19, closer to 20 pitches, if not more than that. Yeah. But, I mean, again, it's it's October. You're going to ride these guys until the end. you got a couple games left. They're going to power through either way. And also, these starters aren't, you know— Going out there, throwing five, six, seven, eight innings. They're out there throwing, you know, at least four, hopefully four, hopefully five. So you don't need them for as long of a period in their start like you would normally in the regular season. That's true. It's it's just a little worrisome that there is no setup guy and you have to rely on a starter, and that could potentially be problematic. Yeah, I'm a little worried about that too, but we'll see. It's working it's out right out now so for far. the Sox. Yeah. And I know before we start and preview the games out in L.A., just one more thing I want to bring up. So shutdown innings in this series – have been huge, and just to run that f- through for you guys. So shut down inning. So if the Red Sox score in their half of the inning, the next half, what do the Dodgers do? Do they come out and score? 
and you know ruin that shutdown inning, or do the Sox put up a zero? So so far in the series, the Red Sox are five for six in shutdown innings. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So I thought the Sox have done a great job with that. Just five for six. I mean, that's that's pretty nice. So I mean, the one time where they haven't been able to do it was actually in Game One of the World Series when they scored the two in the bottom of the first and the next half inning it was Matt Kemp homering in the top. But even still, you didn't pull the lead, just cut in half, no big deal. The Dodgers, on the other hand, two for five. That's not great. Two for five, and especially in game one, this is where you can kind of harp on it. So the Dodgers scored in the third inning. They scored a run. To tie it. To tie it. Bottom of the third, Sox take the lead. Top of the fifth, Dodgers score a run. Red Sox score two. Top of the seventh, Dodgers scored one. Nunez and the boys, they scored three. So it's interesting just in those scenarios, those are three situations where if you're a Dodger fan, you just get back in the game and the Red Sox rip your hearts out immediately. Yeah, it's demoralizing for a team, especially when you're clawing your way back into the game against a good Red Sox team and you're able to, you know, put up some runs. Not put up a crazy amount of runs, but you you get back in the game. And then to, to just every time concede runs like that, it's just like at some point it's like, oh, here we go again. They're going to score. Mm-hmm. And there's like nothing you can do to stop it. And it's awesome as a Red Sox fan. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I love to watch it. All right, Zan, time to preview the games out in L.A. So that'll be on Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. Game three, the pitching matchup is going to be Rick Porcello against the young gun, Walker Bueller. And then game four, presumably, unless anything changes, would be Nathan Eovaldi against former Red Sox and Milton Mass native Rich Hill. And then probably game five would be Belly Button Sale against Clayton Kershaw. How are you feeling about those pitching matchups? I'm feeling pretty good. At, at this point, I'm thinking that the Red Sox are taking the pitching matchup, which is so weird because it's something we've kind of harped on that we don't really like their bullpen. But the way they've been pitching, I kind of like them. Like Bueller this postseason, he's got a 5.4 ERA. Mm-hmm. So not great. And Rich Hill, 2.61. So, But still, like those are two guys that I feel like they can get to. You know, it's not like Verlander. It's it even Kershaw to a degree. I know you you said weren't, you weren't as scared of him as you were Verlander, mm-hmm. but that's someone who's a good pitcher for sure. These two guys, I just there's no scare factor for me, and I know the lineup that we have, we can get to them. Yeah, I think for me, Walker Bueller is scarier than Rich Hill because I mean, Bueller's an up and coming guy. He's going to be a stud in this league. I mean, as a rookie this year, you know, 24 games through 137 in a third innings, two six two ERA when eight and five. Struck out 151 batters, so more than a strikeout per inning as a starter. That's pretty good. The guy's, the guy's legit. But on that big stage, is the rookie going to be ready for it? I don't know. And Rich Hill, again, kind of more of a guy with sloppy stuff, you know, breaking balls. You know, he's not going to blow a fastball past you. So it's going to be interesting to see, again, kind of like how the Sox can deal with that because that just kind of reminds me of what they faced already in this series with Ryu and Kershaw, and they've done just fine. Yeah, and it's interesting because Bueller's ERA was way better in the regular season but it's awful now in the postseason, as opposed to Rich Hill, who was better in the regular season, or sorry, better in the postseason and is now worse in, um, or was worse in the regular season. So they're kind of flip-flop there. But there's just no consistency between the two, and I like that the Red Sox pitchers were, if nothing else, a little bit consistent with their stuff. Um, but I just, like, Rich Hill, he's got that curveball that is just devastating. So good. It is it is unbelievable. But other than that, if he's throwing curveballs all night long, I will take Mookie Betts to just hit that thing for, for a home run. I'll take it, you know. I, I will bet on it. For sure. All right, Zan, you think the Sox are coming back to Boston with the trophy or no? Oh, yeah. You think so? Oh, yeah. I think they could win this in four four games. 
Is that the prediction? Sox in four? Take the next two? It's such like a... It's such an aggressive stance, Sox and four, but like I honestly think it could happen. I don't see them losing the way they've been playing, and I know that's so like, oh, you're a Red Sox fan, you know, but like I, I don't see them losing. I don't see these pitchers being able to go out there and stop the lineup. I don't see our lineup just failing to hit the ball. I don't see our pitchers failing to, to throw good pitches. So honestly, yeah, I think we could go into to L.A. and we could win these next two games. Mm-hmm. I'd say for me, my inclination would be to say Sox and five. I think the Dodgers would get one of the next two to prolong the series a little bit longer. But then the more I think about that, right? So if the Dodgers get one of these games, then they got Clayton Kershaw going again. Yeah. And, you know, one of the best pitchers on the planet, if not the best, I don't see, like, if you're him, like, I don't see him letting the Dodgers lose the World Series at home. And then I'm saying, all right, maybe it goes back to Boston, then it's Red Sox in six. Because at the very least, if it comes back to Boston, I'm not worried in the slightest unless something catastrophic happens out in L.A. and you drop all three games, maybe. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that, and I'm more inclined to believe that they're going to win the next two. Yeah, I think so too. And even if they do blow one game, again, they've gotten a Kershaw before. I still think they can do it again. It's just going to be how effective will Sale be. And I think having that rest coming into game one really helped him out so much because, you know, his stuff was kind of there. The command wasn't, but the higher fastball was there. The wipeout slider was certainly there, especially yeah. on the one I think it was the Justin Turner. Made him look silly. He was in the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good to see that. Maybe on the shorter rest, he might not be as good, but I'm still confident in these guys. There's no reason not to be. I just have a question about Chris Sale. Like, rings you could take out. Can't he just take the belly button ring out when he pitches? He was 100% joking and screwing around with the media. Was it? Yeah. Okay. There's nothing, like, definitive where he kind of actually says that, but it's just, he was joking around, and they've kind of, like, hinted at it. So I don't actually know what was wrong, and I'm kind of curious as to what it was. But, yeah, yeah, that's such a weird thing. Because I saw that circulating, like, all over the place. Because when I saw it at first, too, I was like, what the heck? I was like, there's <laughs> no way this is real. And it's, it's clearly not, but I was just like, that's such a weird it's thing. It's gotten, like, too much attention to where I'm like, well. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I think even the official Red Sox Twitter, they, they kind of yeah poked some fun at yeah, it the other played day. played around with yeah. it. Yeah. All right, Zan, that sounds good to me. They're coming home with a World Series trophy. I hope so. I hope we come on here in a couple days and, you know, we're announcing the Boston Red Sox as the World Series champions. Yeah, and hopefully playing some dirty water too. Hope, yeah, we'll see about that. All right, and so that's going to do it for episode three. Zan, I think this was one of our best episodes. I think so, yeah. I know there's only three to choose from, but I think (laughs) this was the best one so far. Yeah, although they're all pretty good, and if you like them, you should rate them. How many stars? I think five. Subscribe as well? Subscribe as well. Because honestly, if you're not going to rate them five stars, just don't rate them. Yeah. There's no point. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Yeah. And Zan, also, kudos to us. That was one take. One take. Everyone knows the rules. Everyone knows the rules. Yeah, that was pretty good. We're getting better at this thing. That'll make my editing so much easier. I'm excited about that. (laughs) That'll be fun. Zan, you want the clothes off? Yeah, this is Zan and Ian from Socks Talk on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter, at Sox Talk Pod, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Go Sox!